then anger and power are usually the acceptable ones, right? Those are the ones that say, I'm not weak, I'm strong, actually, right? And you're not going to take advantage of me, or you're not going to talk over me, which I think is a, is a pattern that many Black women have, have taken on because they were sick of not saying anything, right? right. They were sick right. of being talked over. So they say, you know what? No, I'm going to flip it. Right. I'm going to do this other one. And that exactly. typically has been historically a substitution pattern for men. And we are back with another amazing episode of Shades of Strong. I'm your host, Shirley Hubbard. And behind the mic with me is the other half of this dynamic duo, Natalyn Bradshaw. Hey, Natty. How are you? Natty, every time I say, hey, Natty, you always sound like super, super soft. And then when we get into the conversation, it's like, yeah, I'm here, baby. (laughs) So, yeah. Hey, Natty. And and because we want to shake things up a bit, we have joining us today a special guest co-host, my dear, dear friend, Ife Mazimoho. Did I say your name right, Ife Mazimoho? Almost. It's a Mazimoyo. Mazimoyo. Hi, Ife. How are you? girl. I am so good. We are so happy to have you joining us in this space today because we know that, like I was just telling you and Natty, that Nellie and I are on the older end of the spectrum. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds so weird to even hear that out loud, too. I know, right? (laughs) And Ife is on the younger end of the spectrum, so she has a different experience when it comes to the strong Black woman. And so she's going to be sharing her perspective with us today. So we are super excited to have us joining us as we get behind the mask of the angry Black woman. But before we go into our topic, Ife, since you're our special co-host today, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, what sets your soul on fire. Ooh, okay, awesome. So my name is Ife Mazimoyo. I'm a coach for Black women. I coach around emotional wellness and authenticity. I like to think of myself as a companion and a guide for Black women on their journeys from perfectionism to freedom and fulfillment. And so that looks like work around emotional literacy and also emotional authenticity because sometimes we don't know how to read our emotions and how to process fully, how to actually act, how to actually do what our emotions are asking us to do. And then there's the stuff that get in that gets in the way, even when we do know how the socialization and the things that we caught in our households growing up and from society and all the things, things that have us cover our emotions and not fully feel them, fully express them. I work with women around that to embrace feeling their emotions fully, expressing them authentically and creating authentic life. That ties in a lot to what we talk about here on the podcast and trying to express our authentic emotions. Like you say, a lot of us don't have the emotional intelligence to do that. So I think the work that you are doing is great. Thank you. And thank you so much for being here. So ladies, let's dive into our topic. Mm -hmm. So when you hear the words angry Black woman, like what's the first thing that comes to mind? Ooh, that's a loaded 
<laughs> yeah. Man, a loaded question. And I say that because I myself have been referred to as angry mm-hmm. enough times that, I mean, it's enough to make one angry, you know? <laughs> um, like, wow. And especially from people who really don't know me. Mm-hmm. I faced a lot of presumptuous people in my life, like mm-hmm. people that really think they know the real and they just know everything there is to know about me, like with within personal interactions. And especially when we haven't had that many, it just seems to be a very flippant way of attempting to control someone mm-hmm. by saying, oh, well, you're just angry and you, you just need to work on your anger issues. You've got a lot of anger problems. I'm like, you've known me for all of like 20 minutes. How... And surely you can attest to this because, you know, we've we've talked many times in the over the past three years. Do I sound like a spe- an especially angry person to you? No, <laughs> the way I talk, I'm talking to you. That's no, not no, not at all. You don't you don't sound angry at all. And, and I and I like that you mention that because a lot of times, you know, people just naturally assume that just sometimes just from looking at us that that we're angry. I know like I don't I don't just walk, always walk around with like a friendly looking face. So I'll, oftentimes people people will label me as angry because I'm not always walking around. Like I have this face that's like stern most of the time, unless I'm engaged in, you know, some kind of happy conversation. So I'm glad you brought, you brought that up, you know, that sometimes people can just look at you and assume that you're angry when, when you're really not. So oftentimes we get labeled that. It's a lot of assumptions made out here. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and like I say, that's what we're going to talk about today, aside from just what appears to be on the outside, but what's going on in the end. I feel like there's, there's a root cause to the anger. And a lot of times mm-hmm. people don't get that we get labeled angry because I know for me personally, sometimes it's because maybe I have some unprocessed feeling or emotion and that often yeah. can mask itself in anger. Yeah. Oh, when I think of the angry black woman, quote unquote, I think of two things. One, much like you said, um, Natalyn, it is extremely dismissive, right? And I think that, so I, I think of that, like, oh, someone is trying to dismiss a black woman's feelings or expression by labeling her an angry black woman. And as you said, Natalie, like ironically, it comes from folks who don't know you, right? right? Who who have who would not know you well enough to label you anything, right? Exactly. So then it automatic so then we know it's dismissive, right? Because they don't even know you. So, you know, that's the first thing that I think of. And the other thing is something that just totally slipped my mind. <laughs> I have to tell y'all that happens all the time. But let's see, the angry black woman. Oh, I think of a myth. It makes me think of the fact that that's a myth, right? So here's my Mm -hmm. thing about the angry black woman or even the strong black woman or the anything black woman. We are not defined by one thing only ever, right? Especially one emotion. Because the thing about emotions is they come and they go, right? So to label anyone based on something that is temporary, even if it's Mm -hmm. frequent, right? Even if we are frequently feeling angry as we have the right to do, no one should be labeled one thing, right? Or, or, and beyond one thing based on one emotion. So for me, I would have the same problem if we were talking about a sad black woman. Yep. And it would also be equally as much of a myth if we were talking about a happy Black woman. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, we don't talk about that so much because I get that we're, we love happy feelings. Happy feelings just are not an enemy to anyone. So, so we love to be in a joyful state, you know, which is good and natural. And it also keeps us from allowing ourselves to authentically feel all of the feelings that we feel at any given time, right? I think of it just as a huge myth. And it does remind me of this internal versus external conversation of essentially that the angry Black woman label or idea, I do believe comes from outside of our community, right? Just as those people don't know you, Natalyn, are calling you an angry Black woman as opposed to your friends or family. It's coming from white, Eurocentric, dominated, dominant culture society. Mm -hmm. And it's coming as dismissive. That's the first thing. And then, so that's the external conversation, right? Is the labeling coming from outside. And then I think the internal conversation is one of, have we taken that on ourselves? Do we believe it or do we not? And how are we, what do we believe about that? And then this conversation that you talked about, Shirley, of what's behind the mask, right? Like if we are playing this role that's been assigned to us, Mm -hmm you know, or labeled to describe us as such, then what's actually behind that for us? And how is that unhealthy for us? And then what do we want to do about it as an Indian? Now, I think that's an excellent question, because I know for me, I'm more cognizant of how I I express my emotions to make sure that I don't want to say I'm expressing the right emotion at the right time, but that's kind of what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that if it's fear, that it doesn't come off as anger. Mm -hmm. If it's hurt, it doesn't come off as anger. If it's frustration, it doesn't come off as anger because I find that I'm guilty of that because sometimes I'm not able to verbally express how I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. And instead of really dealing with what's going on with me at that moment, it often comes off, oh, oh, she's mad about this. And I actually believe, believe that in my mind, like I'm mad, but in essence, I'm not really mad. I'm either hurt. I'm either frustrated, but it's not anger. It just manifests itself mm-hmm. in anger. So I'm very careful about that now. Like I pay really close attention to how I'm expressing my emotions and to, and, and to be sure that I'm expressing the right emotion for that particular circumstance, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, what it brings to mind is this concept that I call substitution, which is essentially when we substitute one feeling for another. Mm-hmm. And that always happens when we are afraid or don't feel full permission to show what we're actually feeling. And that comes from what we were taught or what we caught as in what we what was modeled for us about what was safe and OK to show and not to show. Mm-hmm. And that's really, this is really the internal conversation that I think is so important for us to have as Black women and as Black people, because there are certain things that it hasn't been safe for us to show as Black women for mm-hmm. generations. Yes. And so that, that's a conversation that we need to have and, and look at and each one of us, right? Looking at what was it safe for me to show in my household growing up? What was it safe mm-hmm. for my mother to show or not to show? And also, what was it safe for my father to show or not to show, right? The men in my family the, and, and go on up the generations so that we can, we can try to see and understand how this injected or internalized oppression has come down to us. 
And for, for each of the feelings that it was not okay for us to show, we were taught to show something else instead. So, so for many of us, we do, we're substituting and we're showing a lot of anger. Mm-hmm. And, and the thing that, and, and I love, I absolutely love this topic. It's different for all of us. It's different based on where you grew up, right? Like really, mm-hmm. like in the South, it was not cool to be angry, right? For, for Black women, for a lot of us, it might look a little different in the North. It's going to look different generationally. Mm-hmm. Right? So, you know, for many of my folks who do come from the South, for women, it wasn't okay to show anger. And so we were going to look nice and, and, and substitute peaceful, right? Mm-hmm. So peaceful and joyful and like everything was okay. We were going to, you know, if people were arguing or, or there was some kind of conflict in the home, you know, we were going to be the peacemakers. And, and that was the role. Specifically, I'm thinking about my grandmother. That is, that's what she did. That was her pattern, right? That was her substitution pattern. Then for certain other ones of us, and for other generations, mad actually was what we did have permission to show. Mm-hmm. And uh, showing vulnerability, showing scare, showing sadness was not okay because weakness was not okay. Right. And for certain ones of us, we have both of these patterns happening at the same time. So I think when it comes down to the mask and anger and what's behind it, it does have to do with, with these patterns. Right. And Mm -hmm. and usually I think for a lot of us, there's a lot behind the anger, because if we are convinced that showing vulnerability and showing sadness or fear is weakness and we are absolutely not going to show that or in certain situations, we're absolutely not going to show that. Then anger and power are usually the acceptable ones. Right. Those are the ones that say, I'm not weak. I'm strong actually, right? And you're not going to take advantage of me or you're not going to talk over me, which I think is a, is a pattern that many Black women have, have taken on because they were sick of not saying anything, right? right. They were sick right. of being talked over. So they said, you know what? No, I'm going to flip it. Right. I'm going to do this other one. And that exactly. typically has been historically a substitution pattern for men, right? Where yes. they're going right. to show anger and power and they have the full permission to do so. So for many women, what I think what a lot of us have done is said, I'm going to do what they're doing because you're not going to talk over me no more. That's right. Absolutely. So That's it's, a, it's right. a complicated, tangled web that we weave. I'm so glad you brought that up, Ife, because I feel like one problem or one challenge feeds into the larger challenge. Like mm-hmm. I, I think about my own mom and my grandmothers as well. And they were just like what you were describing, your, like your grandmother. Mm-hmm. If my mom was angry, we didn't know it. She got very quiet. That's how we knew she was angry. Mm. And that's exactly how I am. Like, if mm. I know that I'm angry, my husband knows it. My, you know, he's like, oh, you're being very quiet. And, and he's very different from me. He wants to, let's just go ahead and have a blowout now and mm. address it. And then everything's okay later. Hmm. And I understand that more now than I did in the early years of our marriage, because I was just like, this is not the way you want to address me right now, because I'm extremely angry. And if we try and do this right now, I'm going to say a lot of things that could probably hurt. And so I don't want to, you know, just give me some time. 
And so over the years, we've found a balance between, okay, let's have a little bit of time, but not too much time. But I definitely saw that in my house. My dad, he would be quiet for a little bit, but then he would blow up. And my mom would be quiet just about permanently until like the straw broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. And then we were all on alert. I mean, it was the three of us, but like he knew my dad would know, okay, I really have crossed a line. So mm-hmm. I'm going to fall back. And so we see that kind of behavior pattern for us. And it goes a lot. It, 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 it's, it relates a lot to what they were saying about, well, there were, you know, and something that we were talking about last week too, about there were consequences for showing certain things. And so we really yeah. didn't have that permission to show our anger. And so you get to someone like me, who's in this generation X, and I'm exhibiting the same kind of patterns as my mom. And what the, the larger issue is that's, that this is feeding into is now that I'm putting on this mask and masking my anger through other things, being overconfident or being sarcastic, I do that a lot, little things like that, then that feeds into the larger issue of society dismissing me. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you're sarcastic. Therefore, it means that you're angry. Therefore, it means I don't really have to validate anything you say. I don't have to really listen to you. Mm-hmm. I don't have to acknowledge or validate any of your feelings or opinions on anything because you're wrong. I'm right because I'm angry. I mean, you're angry and I'm not. So therefore, I have the emotional period superiority over you, so to speak. And so we've just, we've, we've almost, I mean, and it's not our fault, but it's like we've unwitt- unwittingly fed into that to where now we're like looking at it, it's like, wait a minute, everyone around, everyone's trying to dismiss us, everyone's trying to control me. But I mean, this is how I'm thinking anyway. Mm-hmm. People are really out here thinking they can control how what I do, or they can have some sort of a say or opinion over what I'm doing with my life, or they just think they can dismiss me. And now it's like, wait, I've been acting a certain way all this time. And maybe that's part of it. You know what? I'm not going to do that anymore. This is not even healthy for me anyways. Me, like you said, Ife, let me just go ahead and flip this now. Like right. I've been living this way long enough and not doing it anymore. And so that, that, that goes back to, wait, I didn't have this permission before. I'm just going to start giving it to myself. I'm not going to sit around and wait for permission anymore from yeah. someone else. Because who are they to me anyway? Why am I waiting for them to give me permission? I'm going to give myself permission. So now it looks a little bit different in my home. I don't stay quiet as long. Mm-hmm. I can speak up a lot quicker because I know that I have a right to. I'm giving myself permission to say, no, I'm mad about this. You're right. Yeah, let's talk about it right now because I have energy and I have time. So let's just <laughs> let's just get it out right now. You know, and yeah. so the more I give myself that permission, the more free I feel in everything that I do. Like what mm-hmm. we were talking about last week, Shirley, about like how I don't move out of the way when I'm walking and someone's in my, you know, in my, in my path, mm-hmm. I'm like, nope, because I've literally been doing that all my life and people normally don't do that for me. Guess what? It's a, it's mm-hmm. a totally different day now because mm-hmm. I'm not leaving anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's amazing the kind of, the kind of freedom you start to feel when you realize, okay, I could have been giving myself permission to feel, like Ife said, all the different range of emotions and not masking them, not substituting them, just feel what I feel in the moment, I could have been giving myself this permission all the time. And better late than never that I actually realize that now. Mm-hmm. And so now that we realize it, we're showing other women, hey, no, you've, you've got this power too. You can give yourself permission too. We are showing our daughters, our, our nieces, Absolutely. cousins, 
yeah, you don't have to bottle it up and wait for it to explode like mm-hmm. a soda that's been shaken on a hot summer day. You can get <laughs> it out right now because <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I spent 40 years as that Coca-Cola bottle wow. in that Atlanta heat that, oh my gosh, <laughs> you literally were just like shaking all this time and pow. And I'm like, wait, that's not good for anyone around me, of course, yeah. but yeah. it's especially not good for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take note to two things that, that, that y'all said. One was that, well, overall, what I heard y'all say was that we contributed to this label being placed on us. Number one, because of the silence, because we've already said that the word angry was meant to silence us. So Ife, when you were talking about how you say your grandmother just got silent and Daddy, you say your grandma got, your mother got silent. And so we've silenced ourselves. Not only, mm-hmm. not only has society used the word angry to silence us, but we too have used that word to silence us. Now, I understand that, you know, you may need a moment to breathe and relax so you don't say things that you don't need to say. But I think it's important to note, and I think, Nettie, you said this is not to stay silent too long. Right. Like just just like the world has labeled us as angry, we kind of sort of label ourselves as angry when we go to that silent place. We silenced ourselves. Yeah. Well, I think it's an internalization of of it's just another mm-hmm. another piece of internalized oppression. That's mm-hmm. all it is. So mm-hmm. that's why I said I don't think I don't say that to say, oh, it's our fault that we're doing this. this right. Is generations. Mm-hmm. This is like at this point, what, 400 years worth of oppression that we over generations have internalized right yeah to be if you were gonna run away you were you were real bold if you did that and if and you better hope can harriet tubman your way all the way to the north otherwise Mm -hmm. if you got caught you were killed yeah and so it's like wait i've i some and it's not that those people who didn't run away were weak some of them just didn't want to be killed maybe they were fortunate enough to maybe have one relative with them or someone that they had adopted as a relative and they they felt that solidarity with that person and they felt um like oh well, i don't want to leave that person alone so I, I i need to survive we got to survive we got to stick yeah. together that kind of thing so it's not a oh well if you left you were strong and if you stayed you were weak right it's like i wouldn't say that about a, a domestic abuse victim we see what those victims go through and, and survivors go through you can't say that there's one right or wrong way to do things when you're literally just talking about survival. So this was all mechanisms for us to survive. Mm-hmm. And because we have ancestors ancestors who did manage to survive this, that's why we're here. Mm-hmm. So I'm never going to I'm never going to throw my folks under the bus, so to speak, and be like, well, man, if only my mom had just spoken up sooner or anything like that. This is about dismantling generations worth and healing from generations worth of internalized oppression and the internalized oppression is a result a direct result of the larger external oppression right we started feeling a certain way a type of way about ourselves especially as black women i know we can't be angry and this and that and the other because we were constantly constantly being told through words or images or any other kind of message that we could get that we are angry and angry mm-hmm. is wrong and angry is bad and angry deserves punishment of some sort. Yep. So we do what we need to do to survive. It's mm-hmm. just that now 
we've got a little bit more wiggle room to where we can examine all of this and do something about it on a, on, on an individual level first, and then within our families and our, in our, within our communities. Absolutely. Um, but Absolutely. yeah, I'm not one of those, one of those people that does anything to like kind of dishonor or disrespect mm-hmm. any of the people that came before me. Not to say that they didn't have flaws. Everyone does. And there are bad things that happen. There are bad behaviors. I'm not dismissing that, but I'm also not going to be that person that's just like, yeah, you know, it, it kind of irked me seeing some of, there was like this trend going around on the internet, a meme uh, a couple of years ago about we're not our ancestors. Oh my it's kind of like, you know, you can catch these hands from us, you know. And I was just like, listen, I understand the you can catch these hands energy. Believe me, I, I get that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying, I don't disagree with that at all. But yo, don't try and act like our ancestors were weak. It's because exactly. of what they did or what they didn't do that we're even here. It was a survival yeah. game. It was a survival game. If Absolutely. they hadn't survived, we literally wouldn't be here to even talk about how somebody can catch these hands. You know what I'm saying? So, and like, like, I'm just go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit because Natalie, you are speaking. You are really. I mean, you're speaking my my thoughts right now. Um, you know, number one, yes, like you know, these were adapt survival adaptations is what we call right. them. Uh-huh literally adaptations to survive we underestimate the effect of fear and also right the fear emotion our scared emotion exists first and foremost to keep us alive absolutely so if at a a really really basic (laughs) level i see oh she expressed her anger her righteous anger and she got beat Lynch, killed, ostracized, her children sold. Oh, you know what? We not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And you know what else? So that my children can survive, I'm going to teach them not to do that either. That's that's what we okay? did. That's what we did. Because I don't want my baby lynched either. That's I don't right. want my baby sold either. I don't want them to lose me. So right. absolutely not. We not expressing any of that. And or or it's going to come through another door, right? It's going to come through another door. And if that's what we have to do to survive another day, then that's what we will do. And many of our ancestors, I believe, started out doing that so we could live to fight another day, right? That's it. Absolutely. Along the lines, because we were, it, it because times were so hard, the brutality was so much and we needed to survive, many of us lost the the message of we are the goal is to fight and to resist this at some point right Mm -hmm. so 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 that happened and just like you said Natalie I give so much honor and praise and respect to those ancestors who survived any way that they that they needed to that right anyway and and that they they still delivered to us a sense of dignity of even if it was just a little flame to say I'm a person I matter my voice matters and eventually I'm gonna like somebody in my line is gonna is gonna be her full self is gonna express fully is going to express her anger and is going to set boundaries Mm -hmm. like that's what our mad feeling tells us to do is to set boundaries to say no and then I, I also just wanted to talk about that 
uh, I am not my grandparents. I am not my ancestors. BS. Oh my goodness. <laughs> when I seen them, <laughs> I was just. I felt some type of way for real. I really, I felt so much of a type of way. I mean, not only am I a coach and all of that, but I am a like a self-taught genealogist, essentially, right? So I have a huge connection to the stories of my lineage and my specific ancestors. And I know many of their stories, like like actual stories of folks being killed in front of them, like their partner <laughs> killed in front, all these Ooh. things. It was sad for me. I felt very sad that we're at this place of disconnection between right. generations and mm-hmm. also a lack of factual historical understanding that we would say some stuff like, I'm not my ancestors, you can catch these hands. Because yes, I think one, it's really important for us to understand what the heck was going on so that people were not throwing hands or they were going to, you know, duck down to make sure that they lived. And then two, we also need to know about the ancestors who threw them hands. Right. Because some of them did. Right. A lot of them did. <laughs> exactly that. The historical erasure of Black like, people. Y'all not the first. We not, this, this is not the first iteration of this. Y'all not the first ones you to be throwing me? hands at anybody. Y'all are really not the first ones <laughs> to have the bright idea to throw some hands. Y'all really right. are. You don't talk about <laughs> the history of folks in Mississippi and Alabama who... Okay who were defending mm-hmm. themselves and their entire communities with hands and with guns and with all kinds of other stuff. And we can feel however we want to feel about it. But the, the misplaced notion that we just all have been just docile for 400 years, just okay. taking is is a disrespect to, to the diversity of the history, the stories in the history of our ancestors. Yes, and that also, Ife, that also feeds into a larger outside issue because when I was young, all the Black history that I learned in school, which was very little, of course, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we learned about Martin Luther King, Harriet Tubman, and I guess with some places, if you're lucky, George Washington Carver. That was it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, it was about slaves. And you know what they said about slaves? Oh, well, they worked very hard and you know, they were given their meals and they had roof over their heads. So there even some little some some different kinds of books that were are aimed toward children to try and make it seem like they were happy with their right. existence. Right. And it all portrays them as these docile little mules that just yep. did what they, that was their job. Yep. And it's like, whoa, if we, if, if that's what the dominant culture wants to believe about us, because mm-hmm. of course they're always trying to erase um, the, the real and, and trying to rewrite history to benefit them and to benefit yeah. their perspective. Yeah it's really super dangerous for us to be starting to believe that about ourselves. Absolutely. And to believe that, oh yeah, they all just kind of laid, laid down and took it. No, that's not what down. anybody was doing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's literally like not what anybody was doing. Not what anyone was doing on any day. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I really do think that all of this connects, right? The, as far as anger being demonized and dismissed, and mm-hmm. resistance being erased 
and suppressed, us resisting as a people in this country would be us using our anger. It would be showing our anger, rather. We don't even have to use it. It exists, right? It would be allowing ourselves to feel mad because we have been violated. We feel Mm -hmm. naturally mad or angry when we are, Mm -hmm. are being or have been violated. So the resistance would be us showing that because mm-hmm. our mad feeling tells us to tell someone to stop, right? right? You absolutely not. Not happening here. Don't talk to me like that. Don't treat me that way. Don't. It sends us a message to set a boundary or and in some cases to create an agreement. Like you won't do that anymore. I don't feel violated. And if I don't feel violated, I won't feel mad. If we just paint the picture that... Our ancestors just one mad and nothing. There was no, there was no issue. And and if you do have to, have to kind of fight for your rights or resist somehow, you want to do that peacefully. And that is a respectable way to go. Yeah. That's and, and, a way, yeah. you know, that's a way where you can still maintain some dignity. That's a way that you can go so that you won't be dismissed or, you know, you won't, you won't lose your job. I mean, there's some real dangers, right? Mm-hmm. To, and if we can, we can pretty much line them up. Even historically, the dangers associated with expressing anger or resisting oppression and, mm-hmm. and, and the things associated with, or what you will, will lose, the dangers associated with expressing anger publicly in white society or mm-hmm. in our dominant society. So these things are directly connected. This is such a good conversation, but just listening to y'all, I think even with our ancestors, like Ife just said, that like they were there, they were angry and they did fight back, but they were smart enough to know that there was a time and a place for them to rise up. Even with Harriet Tubman, she didn't just wake up one morning and say, Hey, we all gonna we all gonna be free. And she and she just started running then, but she devised a plan. There's a plan. She's very strategic about it. She was yeah. very strategic. And so that's the same thing with us when it comes to whether or not we want to, I guess, express that anger is that there's there's a suitable time and a place for it. It have it has to be handled properly. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, our, our ancestors were angry, but they knew in order to save their lives that sometimes that was going to mean being silent. And sometimes that was going to mean taking some things that we wouldn't, in today's society, probably wouldn't take. That's the reason why you see those memes going around because mm-hmm. people are like, oh, I, because I, I, I've been guilty in my mind myself questioning how did a whole people allowed themselves to be enslaved by another whole people. Like, how did that happen? I find myself questioning that. But at the same time, I know that these people were trying to not only save their lives, they were trying to save their children's lives and all the lives that were going to come after them. So there's a time and a place for us to rise up and fight. I think going, speaking to that point, Shirley, I think we have... In a way, we've kind of lost some of the the um, the honor for really banding together the way people used to. Not to say that people don't still do that. I mean, we've seen it in Ferguson and just recently in Sacramento. We've seen it in, in Baltimore. I'm not saying that people don't do it. In the 90s, there was a you know the, the Million Man March every year. It's just that we there are always I don't know if it's because of social media or what, but there's all there seems to always be all kinds of backlash 
or what you are doing or what you aren't doing. And so it's like I fail to see that kind of scenario going on in the Greenwood district of, of Oklahoma when Black Wall Street was built. Mm. I don't really see that happening during the Harlem Renaissance. I doubt that maybe that was the kind of thing going on in, in the Rosewood area of Florida. And mm. those were the places where we really understood mobilization and caring for our community. And like, if I'm eating, we're all eating. And if something, ha- if something goes down, it's, if you get angry, we all gonna get angry together, that kind of thing, because these were whole communities that were built up. And do you know how dangerous that was? It was so dangerous yep. that entire white mobs went and massacred and burned them down. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what can we do? I mean, that to me is an example of what you were saying about, okay, there's a time and a place or there's a strategic way to express our anger. Let's express it like this. Mm-hmm. Let's start divesting and let's start um, reinvesting in each other and let's build mm-hmm these communities that thrive and flourish and have banks and grocery stores and schools and hospitals where we know we're going to be taken care of. That is a stellar example to me of let's make a plan of how we're going to express what we're really feeling and what we're going to do about it. Um, and I, I, I would love, I would just love to see that more of that kind of energy happening today. I feel like it's happening in pockets here and there. But like I said, it seems like there's there's always someone naysaying or throwing shade at it. And and if it's black women doing something, it's like, man, it's like pulling teeth and watching paint dry to try and get somebody to support you. you know? <laughs> it, it's really bad. <laughs> so. I don't want to interrupt what you're saying, Natty, but you just had like the coolest analogies. I'm like, in <laughs> last week's episode, painful you and talked slow about is what I'm saying, painful and slow, right? <laughs> like you, have, you have the coolest. Like you don't know me from Adam's toilet water. I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> no, that's, that was it. I was just thinking about you know when you said like there's a time and a place to to really like wild out. Yeah. And how are we going to wild out? Mm. I'm not saying yeah. that, um, you know, because Martin Luther King Jr. said a riot is the language of the unheard. You're never going to hear me say stuff about, oh, I can't believe these people are rioting. I'm never, that's not me, honestly. Right. Like, yeah. because I get where that yeah. anger is from. And I do also think it, it's partly because you, you get beaten down so much with different things and eventually you explode. Maybe people were silent far too long and far too often because there are things that are absolutely horrendous happening far too often. They're like, okay, this is just going to explode and spill over onto who knows what. Okay. But I feel like, wow, how, what will it take for us to get more of, of that kind of energy that we saw during those other times and where we really are locking hands together, especially across generations, like you <laughs> and Ife and I are talking now. Ife is in her 20s. My <laughs> oldest son is in his 20s. He's 22. But they're in their 20s. Tw- they're millennials. That's a mm-hmm. different generation. And how, so how can we get amongst ourselves as Black women, really this energy of locking hands across generations and practicing giving ourselves and each other permission to feel all the things Mm -hmm. so that we aren't bubbling over and exploding. And so that we're also extremely wide about, okay, 
this is a thing we feel all the ways about it. This is what we're doing. This is what we're going to do about it. And then we line things up A through Z, like, like a real, like a plan. And we implement that plan mm-hmm. as a way to express the, those feelings mm-hmm. of anger and the, those feelings of we're not standing for these injustices anymore. I don't have any answers for that, but that's just kind of, mm-hmm. that's kind of the wave that I'm on. That's the thing yeah. that I think about a lot. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah. As you were posing the question, what came to me was, I think that it's going to happen one relationship and one group of women at a time. Right. Mm-hmm. Or even one group of people. Right. You know, I thought about you, me, myself, Natalie and Shirley having this conversation here today. And, you know, then I thought about my mom and my mom is 61, I believe. Mm-hmm. And she, she is, she, she, she has shown me how to exist between the generations, you might say. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And she does a fantastic job. I think specifically as a woman of her generation to connect to younger women. Um, There's a group, there's an idea she has for a group right now about bringing women together, you know, who are in business and us all helping each other out, you know, to be black women. And one thing I didn't say was, you know, the tools that I use in my coaching and the things that I've talked about today, I learned directly from my parents. They do this work all the time. So I I learned this modeling this from my mother. So this group that she has in mind, you know, we're going to come together and we're going to use these tools too. And we're going to be authentic and we're going to, you know, share all the things as you, as you were kind of envisioning Natalie. And I think that from there, even from us just having this conversation today, if we were to want to expand, right, if Shirley were to introduce me to another woman mm-hmm. um, of another generation, then it grows from there. And then I'm inspired to introduce more of my friends to some older women. And then it continues and continues and continues. And, you know, maybe it sparks, it inspires another group. I'm also always a proponent, kind of like you said, Natalie, like young folks, <laughs> I guess young folks like my age, have this idea <laughs> Like, oh, like y'all were the only, we were the only ones to like have this idea to like throw hands, right? I think that mm-hmm. happens so often these days. Folks become so-called woke or conscious or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And they say, we gotta, and we need books and we need schools and da 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 And you know, I'm like, you think you really think you're the first one. <laughs> right. No, like we've so, been fighting all our lives. <laughs> I mean, like it, it astonishes me. I saw it all through college and, you know, I grew up in, in a family who, who, like my parents went through that journey, right? And so they they raised me in that. So I grew up with with the elders who wrote the books, who mm-hmm. my parents have a school. I know people who run institutions. Part of it is also us extending our awareness and assuming, I always encourage people to assume that folks somewhere are doing what you're thinking about, right? What yeah, you're yeah. envisioning and getting connected with them. And sometimes, you know, we also have to be real about this. It's not always 100% a match because maybe we do things a little bit like this way and you want, you know, y'all want to do things a little bit like that way. And that's okay, right? Like Black people are not a monolith. 
We right. got different things we want to do, and we can be allied while also be focused on some di- being focused on some different things, or you know, having a, a little bit of a bit this way versus another bit that way. And I think as far as growing on a large scale, like you know, communities like Black Wall Street that you were talking about, and like as a community, like a like whole communities. One, I do want to give credit to where these things are happening right now. I know WeBuyBlack.com is. Um, raising money to open up like a black owned Whole Foods in Atlanta. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That's wonderful because that's my hometown. I know. And that's where I am. That's my hometown as well. So shout out to Atlanta. Yeah, Yeah. shout out to Atlanta. Next time I'm in Atlanta, I'm going to have to hit you up. Yes, let's do it. And I do, you know, I want to shout out Atlanta because black folks have been doing it in business here for some generations. That's right. True. I mean, that's absolutely right. I have had a black AF <laughs> bringing livelihood because, you know, black folks have been doing it here for for a minute. And so, yes, that's happening. So, you know, anybody listening and all of us like, let's please support them because folks are here trying to do it. I'm always I like, you know, a it. lot of times Ooh. we talk about, oh, and we don't do this and we don't do that there are ones of us who are. So I just always want to give credit to those folks. Like, join, jo- find, find a thing and join a thing or support a thing, right? Oh, I know. love that. Always find a thing and join a thing. I yeah, love like, yeah. we don't always have to recreate it or, again, think that we're the first ones to come up with it. I think one important part of that is us really, again, looking at fear. Our feelings are all up in this and we're feeling multiple things all at the same time. Yes, we react in anger um, or we we feel anger uh, at the injustices Mm-hmm. you know, that we are facing and, and that we have, that have been done to us for generations. And then we, a lot of times, you know, we, we want to strategize and with good reason, we need to strategize and we need to build, we got a plan. And for many of us, the, again, conditioning and fear, like, like there was an impact to those, those communities being like massacred, right? Like right. what right. happened for so many of us, even down to, I might want to say like on a level of DNA, we have trauma around yes. what happens yes you build that way we right like do. people come after you mm-hmm. like, and not just massacring you or dropping bombs on you which you know would be politically incorrect in this day and age but like suing you to death mm-hmm. right finding these little loophole this that Loopholes, coming yeah. after you right discrediting you you know public lynching but not lynching you know but basically doxing you online and exactly all exactly so these things are real and it's gonna take practice essentially I think is what it comes down to right like we get we get better and stronger at fighting as we continue to fight absolutely stronger at building as we continue as we continue to build and I would say for all of us start where we are start Start in your corner of the world that's it absolutely in your town in your family and whatever you know issue lights you up Mm -hmm. like find somebody who's doing that who's dealing with that and join in support and then see where there is to expand and then get that practice that's the thing we've got to build muscles we don't have these muscles so when we we look around and be like well i don't understand why we don't just and i don't understand why we don't just 
you don't just do that out of the blue one day. We really don't, yeah. right? Well, we had um, those muscles, but they have grossly atrophied over. And you're over exactly decades. right. And I'm really, I'm really glad that you said that because yes, we have had, and for some of us, we still do, right? I'm a third generation entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I would not be as comfortable doing what I'm doing had not my father and my mother, and then my father's parents, both parents before him done that. So yes, we do have, we have this history that we could call upon that's so important. I'm glad you brought that up because we don't necessarily have the muscles. We do have the inspiration. Mm -hmm. And if we start small, learn the lessons and keep going, we will, you know, we'll keep doing what we've been doing. You're absolutely right. And that's so encouraging to hear you say that. Um, Yes, I am definitely looking up the, the, the grocery store in Atlanta. At, I believe it's called Soul Food. Oh, that's so good. Soul of Food Market. That's it. Soul, <laughs> of course it soul is. Soul Food instead of Whole Food. Of course food. it exactly. is. Yep. That's so good. Soul so, Food yeah, Market. You're absolutely right. Like, um, I think you and Shirley and I, we each individually are working on our own things to build. I know uh, my my child is, and I love that we're coming together through this podcast and through other things to, to, to link up and continue to build and support each other. I feel like also the more support we feel, the more supported we feel just in general, not just in, you know, I'm building something support me, but just in life, the more we feel the strength to give ourselves the permission to feel those other emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of times, at least, I mean, this is at least what has been true for me. Most of my life, I didn't really feel supported. Mm-hmm. I felt loved. I know my mama loved me. My mama mm-hmm. loved me. I know my daddy loved me. Um, but there were lots of things. There were lots of things going on in my life that I never would have told my mom or dad. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I mean by not feeling that I'm supported because there were things yeah. that I felt like I couldn't talk to them about. Yeah. And I have I've tried and I've worked very hard to be a different kind of parent in that regard with my children and it has definitely worked with my oldest son and I'm praying that I'm able to replicate that with my my three younger children but when you don't feel like you have the support that you need not only is it extremely lonely I was extremely lonely I was also an only child so that just made things worse but that really becomes a breeding ground for a lot of these feelings that you don't deal with that you mm-hmm. don't allow yourself and it breeds resentment it breeds all kinds of other things that are extremely unhealthy leads to i mean literal consequences physically like i i have to watch i have to take blood pressure medication mm-hmm. and so i love the fact that we are talking together because to me or at least for me that is I mean, it's a support. It's support. It's a, it's, it's fine having someone to talk to about certain things. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And glad you brought that up. It makes me think of a, um, a quote that I know of from a, a black psychologist um, by the name of Amos Wilson, who says, isolation is the handmaiden to oppression or of oppression. Oh. Yeah. I mean, as in, I mean, if we're isolated, when we are isolated, it's so easy, as you said, isolated, you know, and when I when I think of not feeling supported, you know, that's what isolation feels like to me. I remember being in a very similar place. I have family who loves me. I grew up around a large community um, who poured into me and affirmed me. And when stuff was hitting the fan, like really, really, I did not feel comfortable talking to nobody but my mom. 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes not her. There were a lot of, there was just that feeling of, yeah, they love me. And kind of like, that doesn't really matter right now. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't talk to them. Like, I'm not, I don't feel comfortable. And, you know, that was when I felt most isolated. And so both on an emotional level and like emotional wellness and our collective wellness as far as improving our condition and our health as a, as a community and as a people. I think it's true in both cases. If we if we are only like one, you know, we won't flourish both on a personal level. And and I think that personal level is really important first, right? Like I got to feel supported if I'm going to branch out and start anything or do well, anything, certainly. right? Like I have to feel like I like that's even possible. So, no, I love this conversation because I think it touches on our personal emotional health and wellness and how that really does affect and feed into our wellness as a whole. It does start with us individually and do we have the space held for us to support folks in our circle or folks who we feel like can support us to build us up enough where then when we do, we can we can do something or start something with, with that group. I know when I feel supported by a group or even one person, I feel possibility like let's yeah. Let's, you know, even just, I feel that in this conversation right now, you know, so I think that really is where it starts. Oh, we all, we talked about so much stuff today. <laughs> I, I, we literally, so good. It was good. <laughs> it was so good. We, we literally went from the strong black woman to the angry black woman to how our ancestors had been treated and Ife and them want to put hands on people. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're here where how we can support and grow and deal together. Like this now we're on like fam, <laughs> let's link up. Fam, let's right, do it. Fam, right. let's do it. Well, we <laughs> Like, this was like all the things, like for real. <laughs> I love it. It was so. It was so good. Like I, I'm so excited. Y'all know what? When I listen to um episode one, and I digress for just a moment, <laughs> I am always saying super excited, excited, super excited, excited. That's okay. Girl, <laughs> you excited? You excited? Anyway. <laughs> Let's be excited. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm so happy that that uh, Ife came on today because I mean, like the perspective that you brought in, Ife, was beyond amazing. Because yes. you know, like we said, like we said earlier, like you know, we're in this different age group, and our experiences are not the same. And then you are a third generation entrepreneur. Go, girl. That yes, I forgot about that because I forgot that you, your mom and dad started that school. So yeah. But anyway, y'all, this has been so good. Like I said, we talked about a, a lot of things in this episode, but at the end of the day, I think the message that Ife, Natalie, and I want to get over is in the words of Ife, Black women ain't out here angry for nothing. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yes. Ife, I remember when you made that post and I never forgot about it. I don't know if you were on, if you were on a bus or if you were on a train, but you were going somewhere. You were on a bus. And so... She'll have to tell you the story another time, but that was the thing. I have to come back for that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the thing that still because you ended it. You said black women ain't out here angry for nothing. Yeah. I was like, yes, they are no. not out here. Yeah, angry we are for not out here for, right? angry for nothing. Like, we have reasons to be angry. Mm-hmm. We should yep. have spaces to mm-hmm. to express our anger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that starts with us giving ourselves permission because we can't control nobody else and how they feel or think or want us exactly. to feel. 
about expressing our emotions. And then, yes, it also is on us to make sure that we are feeling the range and the stuff that we stuff under anger. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's up to us to start with us first. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, Ife, uh, not Ife, but Natalie, Ife and I, I think we just gave our closing remarks. <laughs> 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 so uh, in closing, what do you want to leave with our people, honey? <laughs> what I'd like to say to you uh, this week is it's really okay to feel whatever you're feeling in this given moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in your day. If you're having a pretty decent day like me, or you're having a not so decent day. Don't ever think that your feelings in an, any given moment are not okay to feel. They really are. And they're also okay to express. And you can take that from me and from Shirley and from Ife because we are, I know that I am learning still how to constantly give myself permission and remind myself that it's okay to feel whatever I'm feeling and express it. So just know that you really do have that freedom and you always did and do you and, and do whatever you need to do to get that peace that you need in whatever given moment. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That was so good. That was so good. Anyway, y'all, we got to get out of here. This has been beyond amazing. Ife, thank you so much for coming on. And please come, girl. You you are always welcome. Come back anytime you want. All you got to do is hit me up and say, girl, what y'all talking about? Let me get in on that conversation today. And we got you. So, yeah. (laughs) Come back anytime you want. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. Thank you so much for tuning in. 